Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. Well, happy Father's Day. Hey, so glad to see you uh, today. Let me, um, let me kick off by asking you... Um, a question. Do you remember the first time that you fell in love? Think about that. The first time you fell in love. If you're married today, think about, do you remember the first time that you saw your spouse and knew that they were the one? Uh, for me, it was, I was 22 years old. We were in Tennessee and uh, I had parked in the church parking lot and was getting ready to walk uh, into the front door of the, uh, of the church and all of a sudden, coming up the entryway in this red Jeep Cherokee was this blonde bombshell. Her name was Jessica. And, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, maybe I should maybe I should have chosen a different Sunday than Father's Day to do that. But <laughs> no, her name was Andrea. <laughs> Uh, oh, digging a hole, <laughs> digging a hole. <laughs> um, but I remember that moment, and it was like um, it was like a moment from uh, a Hallmark movie. Uh, at least that's what Tim Neal and Keith Davy tell me, because they're the only ones that watch Hallmark movies. Um, but <laughs> I'm on a roll this morning. Look at that. Um, but it was kind of like a Hallmark movie, you know. It was like all of a sudden time began to stand still and my heart rate started to increase a little bit. My, my vision of what was around me started to narrow. I kind of, it was almost as if the, the, the heavens began to split and the sun started shining down and I heard this like music with a violin just going and it was just like, it was like that moment and all I could do was focus on her. Do you remember having that kind of feeling? You remember having that with your first love or with the person that you ended up marrying? You know, my guess is that you're similar to me, that in those kind of seasons when you fall in love like that, everything slows down and life becomes less about you and more about them. Like there's no, there's no task that is too great, there's no request that is too much. I mean, all, all we want to do when we find our first love is make them happy. And over time, what begins to, to happen as our love for each other begins to grow more and more, here's what happens. We learn what to avoid, right? <laughs> and we learn what to do to please the one that we love. Well, that kind of relationship is what God desires from all of us. He wants us to have the kind of relationship with him where we fall in love with him in such a way that our life is less about pleasing ourselves and more about pleasing him. And over time, what ends up happening as our love for God begins to grow more and more, we too learn the things to avoid and the things to do to please God. Today, we're uh, kicking off week three of a uh, message series that we've entitled The Space 
between. And this series is all about helping us to thrive in the gap between now and the end of time. Today, if you've got your Bible or smartphone, I want you to pull that out and I want you to make your way to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, today, I've entitled the message, How to Love in the Last Days. How to Love in the Last Days. So as you're making your way to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, if today's your first time with us, uh, Thessalonians is a, is a letter that, that Paul is writing to uh, this young church, and um, now moving forward, I'm referring to this church as the church in T-Town. Thank you, Gloria, because I could not pronounce it in week one. And, uh, and so Paul is writing this letter to this church in T-Town, this church that's about one year old. They're doing a lot of things right. And in the first three chapters, what Paul does is he's, he's bragging on, on this young church for remaining steadfast and faithful in the midst of all the persecution that they're experiencing. Then as we begin to head into chapter four, Paul begins to instruct this young church on how to live a life that's going to be pleasing to God. Last week, Pastor Mike uh, shared out of the first part of chapter four, and he was really addressing um, the part about pleasing God of what we needed to avoid in our life. This week, what I want to do is I want to piggyback off of his message. I want to also look at 1 Thessalonians chapter four, but I want to look at nine through 12, and I want us to see... Um, what Paul is writing to this young church so that they could please the Lord and, and, and they would know what they needed to do in order to do that. So uh, take a look with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9. We're going to see what Paul wants this church uh, and really us to do in order to please God in the last days. I don't know if you guys are hearing it. I'm getting this crazy echo up here, Riley. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9, it says, But we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other, for God himself has taught you to love one another. He says this in verse 10, Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Now, I want to stop right there for just a second, and, and I want to point out how weird this statement is that Paul's making. Right? If you notice in verse 9 and this part of verse 10 that, that he's saying that he doesn't need to write them, but he does. That he doesn't need to write them, but he does. And I, I think what Paul is doing in this moment is he's, he's encouraging this young church at how well they are loving other people, but he's also on the other side of the coin challenging them to do more. We see that in the last part of verse 10. He says, even so, like, even so that your, your love is becoming known in, in, in the areas around, even so you love well, he says, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you, we urge you to love them even more. Now, I want you to think about um, this statement from Paul about, hey, you're doing a great job loving but I want you to do it even more. I want you to kind of visualize it like this. Um, our youngest daughter, Journey, plays uh, volleyball in high school. 
And there's some, uh, some people that believe that she has the ability to go to the next level and to play at the college level. And so uh, in this off season during the summer, uh, we've invested in a trainer to work with her uh, to make her stronger, to make her faster, and to help her to be able to jump higher. And so what happens when she goes into these workouts, first off, she doesn't look forward to them, all right? And she goes into this workout with this trainer, and the trainer is yelling at her the whole time, right? The trainer is encouraging her, saying, Journey, you're doing great, you're doing great, but he's also pushing her to do more. That in that training session, he's encouraging her because she's doing good, but is pushing her to do more. And so I think that is what Paul is getting at with this young church. He's saying, listen, church, you are, you are loving people well, but you can love people more. Now watch this. You can't, you can't miss this part. How does God help us love people even more? How does God help us love people even more? More, he does it this way by allowing us to go through some difficult seasons. Wait a second. God helps us love people even more by allowing us to go through some difficult seasons in our life. I mean, think back on the illustration of my daughter Journey, right? The trainer, in order to make her body become stronger, faster, and to be able to jump higher, and for her to be able to realize her full potential, what does he have to do? He has to push her harder physically. Now, I want to stop right here for just a second. I want to say this. Some of you here today are getting angry and you're getting frustrated with God because of the situation that you're in right now. When all God is trying to do is to prepare you for the next level. Yeah, you guys don't. Some of you today are angry and you're frustrated with God because of the season and the situation that you're walking through. You don't understand it, you're getting frustrated. You're saying, God, if you're really who you say you are and if you really have promises for my life, then why am I going through this and why am I facing this and why do I have this financial issue and why am I struggling with my marriage and why, why am I facing foreclosure with my house? Like, like you're, you're getting angry and you're getting frustrated with God when the whole time what God is doing is he's trying to help you reach your full potential so that he could take you to the next level. Listen, all of us have to understand in our relationship with God and our journey with him that before God can do anything great in our lives, he has to first disturb our comfort zone. Oh, wait a minute. I thought God was great and he was gonna fulfill his promises and it was smooth sailing. No, in order for God to do anything great in our life, he has to disturb our comfort zone. And I don't know if there's anybody in here today that would have the, the guts to thank God in this season for the difficulty that you're walking through in your life because, because listen, if you will do the difficult, 
God will do the impossible. So then Paul makes this transition into verse 11 from, from loving others more to how we need to do it. How we're going to make this transition in the last days to, to yes, we love, but how we're going to love people even more. And what he does in the next few verses is he gives us three practical action steps. But here's what he says in verse 11. He says, he says, make it your goal. Make it your goal. Now, this word goal means to fully give oneself to the task. To fully give yourself to the task. Like if, if we go back to the sports analogy, this word goal would be kind of like the athlete who desires to play at the next level. And what are they going to have to do in order to get there? They're going to have to give themselves fully to the task of getting better. They're going to have to change their diet a little bit. They're going to have to wake up early and go work out when other people are still sleeping. They're going to have to stay after practice to get extra help. They're going to have to spend hours in the film room studying their own game and their competitor's game. They're going to have to fully give themselves to the task of becoming better so that they can get to the next level. And this is the mindset that Paul has in this moment when he's pinning this letter to this young church. And he says to grow in your love for other people in the last days that you're gonna to need to give yourself fully to these three things. And I don't like these three things, but this is what it says in the Bible. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about it. These three things, to live a quiet life, to mind your own business. Don't be elbowing the person next to you right now. <laughs> Minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you before. And so what, what are they going to need to do? to please God with their life? What are they gonna to need to do to not just love people, but to love people even more? Paul says, you gotta live a quiet life. You gotta mind your own business. And you gotta get back to work. So let's dig into these for just a couple moments this morning so that we can better understand what, what God is trying to say to you and me today. The first one, Paul says, we've got to live a quiet life. We've got to live a quiet life. Now, if you go digging into the original language and this word quiet, here's what you're going to discover. You're going to discover that Paul is talking a lot less about a quiet life with our mouth and a lot more about a quiet life here in our heart. That if we're going to love others, in the last days that we can't, we can't allow our heart and we can't allow our spirit to become hardened and judgmental, where all we do in our life is, is shout and point fingers. Friend, the greatest thing that we can offer a sinful culture isn't a pointed finger, but it's a gracious savior. Friend, when we are surrounded by sin and suffering and chaos, 
We're called as Christians to insert ourselves into those places with love, to not point our fingers at people, but to point people to Jesus. And this is why Paul told his protege, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 2, 2 through 4, to live peaceful and quiet lives, but to do it marked by this, goodness and dignity. Goodness meaning the way that, that, that you're living your life, the way that you are conducting yourself, dignity, talking about the way you carry yourself. This is all about integrity. It's all about character. And he says in verse three that this is, that this is good, that living this way, that it is, it's good and it pleases God, our Savior. Now notice this in verse four. What's God's goal? He wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Paul says this. He says, not only do you need to live a quiet life, but also he's going to charge them that if you're going to grow in your love for other people in the last days, then you got to mind your own business. you got to mind your own business. In essence, what, what Paul is saying here is, Meddling isn't loving, right? Meddling isn't loving. To take, to take your focus off of the shortcomings of other people and to focus on yourself. Here's, here's how Jesus said it in Matthew chapter seven, verse three, and some of you are familiar with this. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye? <laughs> You guys already know what's coming. <laughs> Why well, worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Jesus says in verse five, hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So Paul's challenging this church. It's doing a lot of things right doing a lot of things well, that in these last days to love people even more than you're already loving them. And, and the way that you're gonna do that in a sinful culture around you is to live a quiet life. It doesn't mean shut your mouth necessarily, for some it might be, but, <laughs> but to be quiet in your heart, like the things that are happening around you, that they're not creating this unsettledness within your heart where you're beginning to worry and to fear about the outcome. Listen, we all already know that the world's going to get worse, right? It should not catch us by surprise that we're seeing the things that we're seeing in the world that we live in today. And so what Paul's getting at is, listen, you've got to be peaceful down in here. You can't allow what's happening out there to disturb what the spirit is trying to do in here. But you got to live a quiet life. And he's saying, listen, you got to mind your own business. You got to quit meddling in other people's affairs, focusing on other people's shortcomings and what they're doing wrong. Because at the end of the day, we're all fallen. We're all sinners, right? We're all saved by grace. When we've received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, what mercy is, is not getting what we deserved. 
What grace is, is giving us what we don't deserve. Grace is future-oriented, mercy is past. Mercy throws Jesus' blood over all the mistakes and all the sins and all the stupid stuff that we did in the past. And God's grace says that despite all of that, I have a promise and I have a plan for your future that I'm gonna do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think, not because you're perfect, but because you're mine. Then finally, Paul challenges them, in essence, to, to get to work. And here's, here's why Paul made it a point to tell this young church to get back to work. It's because some of them, not all of them, but some of them had become so heavenly minded that they were no earthly good. They become so heavenly minded looking for the second coming of Christ, looking towards Jesus coming back and them getting, escaping from all the stuff and the the mess that they're in. And they got so focused on that that they quit doing God's business here. And Paul is sitting down, I could see him at his his desk in his leather uh, recliner and he's got his, he's got his pen and he's writing and he's, and he's wanting to help this church get refocused because he knows that if they get so heavenly minded that they're going to quit reaching lost people for Christ. And so if we're going to boil this down to a 2023 version of what Paul is saying, and if Paul was standing up here on the platform, I think he would say something like this. He would say, Transformation Church, I see that you want to please God. And I know that you love people. I know that because I even hear people that aren't even in the city of Tallahassee, that are in states surrounding, communities surrounding, all around the world, talking about the impact your love has had on them. Then I think Paul would then look at us and he would say, but I want you to love even more. And here's how he would say it. He would say it the way that you're gonna love more is you're gonna gonna quit losing your spiritual poise in a sinful culture. Second, you're going to stop pointing your fingers at others and start looking within. And third, you're going to refocus on the mission of reaching lost people. And Paul says, he's writing, and he says, if you'll do these things, he's saying, church, this is what's going to What's going to happen? And in verse 12, that people who are not believers, that they're going to respect the way that you live. In other words, the people that are out there, the people that don't 
act like you and the people that don't behave like you and the people that don't believe like you. Mind you, the same ones that Jesus died on the cross to save, they're going to begin to take notice. That they're going to begin to say that those people at Transformation Church, that they are the real deal. That I don't really like religious people a whole lot, but, but I like them. And I think I want to see what their God is all about. Friend, in these last days, when we find ourselves in a sinful culture that is so anti-God and so moving in the opposite direction of what we believe that it should go in. You and I can't get sucked into the same toxicity that they're spewing. That as Pastor Micah talked about last week, we've been, we've been called out of that. We've been, we are the set apart bunch. And we've got to understand this. And if we don't understand this, then we'll miss the point that you and I, that we are, we are missionaries in a foreign world, not dictators in our own land. That we may live in America, but our home is heaven. And one day Jesus is coming back And he's going to rescue you and he's going to rescue me from this mess that we're living in. But until then, if we want to please God with our lives, we've got to do these four things to love people even more, to quit losing our spiritual poise, to stop pointing our fingers. And we got to refocus on the mission of God to reach lost people. Amen. Would you bow your head with me today? Today, I want to close a little different. I want to pray the prayer of blessing that Paul prayed over this church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. I want to pray that over you today. And so if you're comfortable right there with your head bowed, I want you to take your hands and I want you to to just turn them so that your palms are facing up in a receiving posture. And I want you to receive this prayer of blessing today. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. And may he, as a result, make your heart strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God, our Father, when our Lord Jesus comes again with all of his holy people. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, and we thank you, God, for the challenge today. The challenge, Lord, to not just stay where we're at, but to love people even more. And so, Lord, today, I I just pray for courage over each and every one of us. That, Lord, we would show up to to God, your training appointment in our life. 
and that we would give you permission to, to push us beyond our comfort zone, that we would give you permission to do what you need to do in our lives, to be able to carve off the impurities and the, the sin and the lack of trust and, and the things in our life that are not pleasing to you so that we can reach our potential and become the men and women that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you thank God for his word today? Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.